Hello and welcome to our latest production here at Watch Gecko. I'm Anthony and I am joined by Richard, live from his bunker once more. Hello, uh, welcome to the bunker, um, which is actually really just my home office. But uh, at the moment, it looks like, um, well, looks like it's National Star Wars Day behind me, doesn't it? As as always, um, and, and why not? But we're not here to talk about Star Wars. Instead, we're here to talk about another film, or rather the iconic character from another film, James Bond. Now, first things first, Richard, you're an expert on James Bond. Is he really dead? Hmm... Well, given the amount of ordinance that landed on him at the last movie, at the end of the last movie, I'd be very surprised if he was still alive. However, dot, dot, dot. I'm guessing he's kind of got to be because they're making an awful lot of noise about him coming back and who's going to play him. They are. And if he comes back, what is he going to need? You can see where I'm going with this. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much speculation online at the moment about who the new James Bond is going to be. Is it Tom Hardy? Is it Henry Cavill? Is it Anthony Peacock? We don't know who the next James Bond is going to be. But what we're interested in is, what watch is he going to wear? Absolutely. Now, as you can imagine, myself and Richard have spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about this and discussing it. And we've all got our own ideas as to what uh, James Bond's next watch should be. Um, I, you know, there's there's a huge number of suggestions. Um Let's start maybe before we move on to our suggestions, Richard. Um, can you maybe give us a quick, a quick potted history of James Bond's watches so far? Now, in recent years, it's all been about Omega Seamasters, hasn't it? It has, it has, and that's a bit of a shame because I think, as we established in, uh, ironically, the very last podcast we did, which was a James Bond one, um, that i'm i'm a book fan rather than a film fan so i'm very much still into the james bond should wear a rolex camp absolutely now i couldn't agree more but recently hasn't he's been wearing an omega obviously these things are part of quite complex commercial deals so you know being boring chances are he'll probably be wearing an omega Mm. again or she you know the next james bond might not be a man that's another subject um he or she will probably be wearing an Omega. Now, there is um, there is actually a new Omega out um, to mark the 60th anniversary of James Bond, isn't there? There is, and I've just had a shudder go down my spine at the thought of it. Um, I mean, I know we've got to be probably slightly careful what we say here. Uh, we don't really want um, lawyers from Geneva turning up on our doorstep, but this truly is not a watch I could ever imagine on James Bond's wrist. Well, we're all free to have our opinions. And my opinion is that it's a bit like having James Bond wear a a rainbow Daytona. You couldn't really take him seriously wearing this. I think for me, the the only sort of vaguely good part of that watch is the the case back. I don't mind a case back. So were I to be um, gifted a 60th anniversary James Bond Omega watch, um, I would probably try and wear it backwards just so I could sort of look at the case back in the movement, which is not the biggest sort of compliment you can give to a watch. And yeah, to be honest, like I said, um, maybe some people like it, but I just don't think it's very Bond. I mean, for a start, I don't think that MI6 could afford to issue £142,000 watches to their agents. I think that well, would be a budget again, pretty quick. I'm looking at it now, £142,100 uh, for a watch that is pretty hideous. Wow. In all seriousness, uh, regarding the 60th anniversary Seamaster, um, I 
find it so odd that they would create this in the name of Bond that I do wonder how far can Omega stretch this? I mean, when mm. when Pierce Brosnan, I think it was, came first did he appeared as Bond and they went to the the Seamaster 300, you know, there was already a bit of an outcry. Oh my goodness, he's not wearing a Rolex anymore. Um, but we've kind of got used to it and it's evolved obviously through uh, Daniel Craig into some, actually some fairly cool watches, although I think they're getting slightly overstylized now. But I just don't understand where Omega have gone with this. I don't understand. I can't see the James Bond in it. I can't see why they would have created this in the name of James Bond. Ian Fleming must be turning in his grave looking at this watch. <laughs> how, it's, yeah, it's how, almost stretching it. There's no connection whatsoever. I mean, it's so incongruous in the world of James Bond that it just doesn't make sense. And I just think, Omega, if this is what Omega have come out with now for the 60th anniversary... I mean, have they, are they done? I mean, is there anything more they can do? Well, absolutely. As you say, Richard, if this is what they've come out with for the 60th anniversary, let's hope he doesn't live to be 100 because that will be truly painful. Um, anyway, let's dive straight in as to what we think he should be wearing. Now, rather than north of 140K, what if I would tell you that I think James Bond's perfect watch costs about 22K? Is that a good figure? Well, it'd be a little bit out of my budget, but I suspect, you know, yeah, that that could be done. But you'll need to um, you need to tell me what it is you're planning, because what you can get for that is what I think James Bond really should be wearing. Now, at the end of last year, Rolex re- released what is basically their ultimate diver watch, the Rolex Deep Sea in titanium, and that you can dive with that down to a depth of. 11,000 metres. Now, I know nothing about diving. I don't know if it's even possible to dive to a depth of 11,000 metres, but um, you can do it with this watch. It's big, it's chunky, um, but it's a real landmark technical achievement because, um, you know, I think you've said in the past, Richard, that your ideal watch in a perfect world would be um, a titanium Rolex. They've made it, maybe especially for you, but I think it would look perfect on the wrist of James Bond for all sorts of reasons. One, because it represents the ultimate in Rolex's dive technology at the moment. But secondly, because with a watch like that, just think of all the gadgets you can pack into it. I think it's a great choice. I I love it. I think, um, yeah, you're right. I could really see it on his wrist. I think it's, it's big enough that it could no doubt carry some sort of small nuclear reactor to get him out of trouble. I, I think the fact that it is titanium, uh, makes it an ultra contemporary product for him to carry i i mean there is precedence on this because i think as you correctly mentioned um my grail watch which doesn't exist would be a titanium explorer too um, and rolex have got precedence in this because they created a unique titanium yacht master for ben ainsley yeah absolutely. which if you hunt around online you'll never find a close-up of but there's plenty of images of him wearing it and i i think that the, the deep sea i mean i've got a friend who's got a deep sea so i've been lucky enough to try one on quite a few times and it is a bit of a beast not picked up the titanium one but to me it would be a much much better machine simply because it's going to be significantly lighter and i think it's around 40 percent stronger yeah absolutely and um you know, a watch like that, that would start, you know, as well as being able to pack in all sorts of sort of gadgets, um, 
that would stop any sort of bullet. And plus the fact, um, you know, if you slipped it uh, off your wrist and onto your knuckles to use as a knuckle duster, I really don't fancy the chances of your opponent. Did you know that they actually filmed that sequence for a Casino Royale? I didn't know, no. No, it's very hard to find. <clears throat> the The knuckle duster comment that you've made comes from On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the book, where Bond slips the Rolex he's wearing, the, the unnamed Rolex, across his knuckles. <clears throat> and it's a little known fact that the distance around your wrist on a metal bracelet is the same distance around your knuckles. So wow. if anybody's wearing a metal bracelet to watch now, just unclip it, put it around your knuckles, and it will fit perfectly. Guess guess what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I, I'm Unfortunately, I'm wearing a NATO strap on a, a titanium Seamaster at the moment, so I'm not in a position to faff around with it. But I guarantee you this will fit perfectly. Proof right here. Proof it does. There you go. Nice Seiko. <laughs> All the um, more reason for, for, for Bond to have this watch, I believe. Not, not the Seiko, the, the Rolex. Because I think also that, you know, just as, I don't know, he should drive a Bentley blower, because I, like you, Richard, am more of a fan of the books than the films. He, he should have a Rolex. I just think he should have hmm. a Rolex. doesn't really even matter which one, but I just think he should. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think it would be a wonderful evolution. I unfortunately echo your earlier fears. I think Omega have got their claws in. And I don't think they're going anywhere because they must have paid an astronomical amount of money to be this integrated into the Bond franchise. Let's imagine for a second they're not. Let's imagine that we've got absolutely free reign over it. There's no existing mm. commercial agreements. So um, a bit of a fantasy world. And, and they come up to us and they say, well, OK, you know, um, he's, he's done Rolex, he's done Amiga. What, what do you think he should have instead? Now, I've got a suggestion. Um, have you seen the new Bremont broadsword? I have seen the Bremont board, Broadsword, yes. Now, this is a British watch. Um, the company's from Henley-on-Thames. They've got a fantastic facility there, which we've been lucky enough to visit. And I think, wouldn't it be a great twist if James Bond, the quintessential English gentleman and secret agent, had a British watch? He drives a British car, after all. He has Savile Row suits. Why has he not got a British watch? I can't answer that question because there's no good answer. It would be perfect if he had a British watch. I mean, if you recall the... was widely seen as the James Bond homage sequence of films, Kingsman. Um, mm. They were issued a standard with Bremont's. They were indeed, absolutely. Because of some big close-ups of them. And I just think Broadsword, isn't that a great name for a secret agent's watch? I, I think it'd be wonderful. Bra Bremont would be a great choice. Great choice. It'd be fascinating to, um, with your newfound relationship, it'd be fascinating to talk to Giles and say, have you ever considered dot, dot, dot? Because, what, I mean, if you, if, they must have obviously, I wonder if, I don't really understand how it works in the movie industry. Did the, the makers of Kingsman approach them or did Bremont approach the movie makers? I don't, not, I've never been in that situation. So it'd be fascinating to know how Bremont got into that film. Because when we were in the cinema watching the first Kingsman film and a drawer opens and the Bremonts are all there and the, the principal character straps on his wrist and there's a huge dial close up. It's a bit like, dare I say it, a diehard to Tag Heuer moment. You kind of want to go out and buy one. 
Absolutely. I mean, the power of film. And no, I've no idea how those arrangements work. So if anyone does know, please write in and let us know. Um, mm. we'd, we'd, we'd love to know. Now, the Braemont Broadsword, it's actually, um, the latest version is is, uh, is a limited edition, um, inspired by, of course, of, of Her Majesty's Arms Forces Watchers. And it costs, uh, I think it's 200 pieces, and it costs only 2.5k. So wouldn't take a huge uh, chunk out of uh, the Secret Agent's well. budget either. You could issue one to every single member of staff in the building for the price of the the multicolored Omega. You could. How many double O's are there, Richard? Do you know? I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Sorry. Fair enough. Well, look, given that sort of uh, what's in the background, I can see that's not an empty threat either. So let's move <laughs> swiftly onwards. Um, so I think sort of like the Rolex and then the Omega. I've got a couple of more ideas, but um, is, is, is there anything else you'd like to put forward, yes. Richard? Well, I, I had, I, you know, when we were pondering this, when I was pondering this one over last night, I came up with a few. Um, I, I, I hate to admit it, uh, and it really goes against the grain, but my first choice, which I'd love to see on screen, I think, more than anything, is unfortunately an Omega. <laughs> so well, there is they're, they're, they're every possibility watches, it might happen. <laughs> I mean, there's only one Omega we don't like, so you know, there's, don't don't apologise. They're great watches. Which which particular one had you in mind? It was the Ultra Deep, the new uh-huh. Ultra Deep, which of course has been brought, which ironically has been brought out to be the principal competitor. I would suggest to your Rolex Deep Sea. Very true. Um, we're obviously we've been on a similar plane. We obviously anticipate Bond's next adventure is going to be at some horrific depth under the ocean for us both to have gone with these watches. I mean, the the Planet Ocean Ultra Deep is a six thousand meter watch. So I mean, it's a not nearly as capable as your Rolex. I mean, gosh, we could all of us go to six thousand meters every day, don't we? Absolutely, um, I was there just this morning. It's um, about four. Eighteen thousand pounds, I think. I'm just, you know, eleven thousand four hundred pounds. So half the price of the Rolex. Yeah, half the price. And I do know uh, a gentleman who's a professional diver who has had, at least, had the opportunity to try on both. Mm. Uh, with in a, in dealers with the intention of potentially buying one or the other, not just going on an, on a whim and trying it. And. Um, he did rate the Ultra Deep. He said it was a superb watch simply because it delivered pretty much from a, a diver's perspective what the Rolex Deep Sea does, but it's just much more manageable in size and it just looks like, to all intents and purposes, a normal watch. And I Absolutely think, bear in well. mind, that Mr. Bond has to wear it as... Uh, under the aforementioned Savile Row suits. He has to wear it. I think Daniel Craig wears rather a lot of, you know, polo jumpers and, and, and you know, nice bomber jackets and things. And, and this he could wear all the time without, it, you know, messing up the cuffs of his what are almost certainly very expensive shirts. Now, there's been a lot of talk recently about budgets and um, spending cuts. And I believe Daniel Craig was recently seen wearing a, a moon swatch, wasn't he? So maybe, maybe really... Um, it's it, life is getting tough for secret agents. <laughs> well, I, um, gosh, the moon swatch. Um, my first impression on the moon swatch is always, I wish I'd thought of it. Um, because but it's, it's probably not, it's not to... really what 007 should be wearing. I mean, I don't think, well, to be honest, 
I don't think I wouldn't recommend you use it as a knuckle duster. <laughs> no, not unless you want to injure yourself. No, I, I think it's. I mean, I completely. I mean, obviously, Daniel Craig is completely beholden to Omega one way or another, uh, which is fair enough. I mean, it's a tough, jo- tough gig. Somebody's got to do it. Um, but I think I when I saw him, he was where was he wearing the moon swatch quite recently? I think it was the Oscars. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it was something like that. It was some event, yeah. And it was a green one, one of the green ones. I'm not entirely mm. sure which one it was. Um. I can't see Mr. Bond wearing one of those at all. And I'm pretty sure Daniel Craig was wearing it because they were imminently about to introduce the new moonshine model. Um, is it just me or whenever you say the word moonshine for the new moonswatch? I was moon just thinking swatch, that. Do you picture some guy in dungarees in Tennessee with a still in his barn? That's exactly what I was thinking. Moonshine is just sort of one of those words that doesn't mean the light from the moon, does it? It's a very, very... I mean, I know we're here to talk about James Bond, but dear me, that was a very strange title for that watch, I thought. It's almost like somebody came up with that who wasn't quite aware of what that is in, you know, colloquial terms. Absolutely, which I think is another reason why it's not really suitable for 007. Um, no. Take a look at my moonshine. He's, he's not from Tennessee. No, he's, he's definitely sort of more of a Talisker, um, Bombay Sapphire chap or something, I'd imagine. Definitely sort of more sophisticated tastes than uh, homebrew, isn't he? Which I think moonshine <laughs> effectively is. Homemade hooch. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, one of the reasons why um, I mentioned the Bremont broadsword um, it's a watch I really like, um, and the reason for that is it's based on um, the famous Dirty Dozen family of watches, about which we've spoken about an awful lot. Um, one of the Dirty Dozen family uh, is was Vertex. Now, Vertex um, is a British-Swiss company. Um, basically, in the 70s, the company closed, but it was resurrected again in 2015 by the great-grandson of the original founder. And guess what? They have recreated um, their uh, their Dirty Dozen watch, which is now called the M100A. Um, take a look at it. I think it's absolutely stunning. We've been lucky enough to handle one here in the office. Uh, it costs 2.5K. And I think in many ways, it's even more special than a Bremont because I just love everything about it. I love the fact that it's got that direct lineage with the Dirty Dozen watches. I love the fact that design is pretty faithfully recreated. Um, but I think most of all, I love the obvious quality of this watch. The fit and finish is beautiful. The presentation is lovely in a Pelle case. And it's a watch that, you know, you feel you could wear every day in all sorts of situations, um, particularly when chasing Blofeld, for example, which is why I'd also like to nominate the, uh, the, Vertex, the Vertex M100A as a suitable Bond watch. It's interesting, it's different, and I think that's sort of what Bond is. Bond is not a man who follows the herd. He likes to forge his own path. So um, that's why I think it'd be really interesting to have him wear one of those. I know the watch you're talking about very well, because last time I was in the office, yes, I got a chance to see it as well. You're right, it's a fabulous piece, and I I was... I think we see so many watches uh, in it's almost you can become a little not jaded, but you... We, we were quite judgmental on pieces. Mm. Um, when we opened the Vertex, um, I was genuinely taken aback because it, it's a corny term, it oozes quality. 
It's Me too. I was so excited. I was excited. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was just when the more you look at it, the more that you see the attention to detail. I think initially, if you saw it on someone's wrist, you kind of say, "Well, that's a pretty decent looking field slash military style watch." But when you actually handle it up close, the attention to detail is exemplary. Mm, that's what really struck me. The the finish, the quality is mm. um, is you know it looks like basically they've sort of stopped at nothing to get this watch as as perfect mm. as it could possibly be. Um, I particularly again, liked the the raised um, indices, the numerals, the raised loomed numerals. Because I, I even got out, a, you know, a magnifier to look at them. And you think, gosh, that has... And I was chatting to uh, John, you know, our uh, esteemed leader. And even he said, that is a really expensive dial to make. That was mm. his technical opinion on that. Why he said, this is, this is not a cheap dial. Which then makes the price point, I think, really, really impressive. I think it's great value. So when I said it, sort of like I like the lineage, I like the fact it's a faithful recreation of uh, the Dirty Dozen watches. That's not entirely true because, of course, it's actually much better quality than the, <laughs> the Dirty Dozen watches, which were definitely engineered to a price and were definitely sort of uh, yeah. um, uh, put out for sort of mass market. So I, I think um, it would be a wonderful left field choice for the next mm. Bond watch. I agree. And what would you wear it on? Would you have it on a NATO? Oh well, there's only one. Uh, there's only one strap you can wear, isn't there? Mm, I think. And so. that would that would be the Bond NATO, because of course, if your name is Bond, you have to have a Bond NATO, just like that one. Um, just I like think, that I one. I think that's rarely off Richard's wrist. Mm. And um, of yeah. course, the uh, the um, the 60th uh, anniversary. Um, Seamaster, we've already discussed and panned, but I must admit, I did like the No Time to Die watch that came immediately before it. The one with the sort of the full vintage loom that Daniel the Craig full vintage had loom. A hand in, he actually had a hand in designing it, didn't he? Yeah, that's the one, and that comes, of course, on what looks to me like a Bond NATO. It, it does actually, and I think it looks good. And I think one thing the franchise has really done well is that I mean, you and I have obviously, as as our poor readers and listeners know, because we speak ad nauseum about it, have been NATO users for probably between us the best part of thirty years, Indeed, and or longer. We we it was so nice to see them put the character Daniel Craig's character in a really smart suit, but give him a NATO as well, because what I think it's done. I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. It's formalized natos in a way if that makes mm. sense absolutely uh, whereas previously they were always seen as something you'd strap over your under your wax jacket when you're hoofing across the field somewhere or if you're charging up a beach with a rifle um whereas seeing and this is something i feel very passionately about and i'm so pleased to see in the movies is that a nato can look very very smart Especially if you mm. if it's got a quality, the, 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 if the fabric quality is exceptional, if the buckle quality is exceptional, it enhances a steel tool watch. It doesn't in any way dress it down at all. And I think them putting Bond in a, I don't know, five thousand pound suit and having him have an Omega with a NATO, really, really um, kind of supported that that theory. Absolutely, I must admit that um, I've never actually worn a NATO with 
a suit before. I've always gone for a dress watch, but now that has inspired me. So um, next time I'm wearing a suit, which I don't know when that will be, probably a court appearance, um, I'll make <laughs> sure I'll, uh, I'll I'll wear a NATO to go with it. <laughs> Not another one, Anthony. <laughs> I know, I know. It's getting it's getting a bit boring. Back um, to the topic. Back to the topic. Yeah. What else do you think James Bond should well, be wearing in the next Bond film? I've got a couple of wild cards here, and they're not wild I cards. I love wild cards. Not to be Casino Royale wild cards, they are. Love that. Um, they, I'm not... They're, they're not wild cards just for the sake of being wild. It's because I genuinely love the product, and I think I could see it in situ. The first one is actually inspiration from one of the books, but not an Ian Fleming book. Um uh-huh. I don't know if people are aware, but once Ian Fleming stopped writing, there was a huge gap in the books. And then various other authors picked up the mantle, the most successful of which very recently has been Anthony Horowitz, who's obviously very famous for writing uh, TV shows like Foil's War, and he's got his own series of uh, junior James Bond books. And um, but, but right at the beginning, I think in the 80s, there was a chap called John Gardner wrote some. And... There's a scene in one of them, uh, which is a bit like, you know, the, the the beginning of every Bond film, there's sort of that initial sequence where he's on a secret mission, where he lands on a boat dressed in a wetsuit or something, and, and it invariably glances at his submariner. Absolutely, and there's normally a lady in champagne involved as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've never never been able to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> no. Um, so... This book, I can't remember which John Gardner book it is, which is frustrating, but he, right at the beginning, he's got this, uh, he's coming back from a mission and he's trying to sleep in the back of a vehicle that uh, an mm. official driver's driving. And he's lying in the dark and he's looking at, wait for it, the tritium dial of his Luminox. Uh-huh. I know. that, And even that, I, I kind of reread that. I thought, really? And this was John Gardner trying to be quite contemporary, I think, because I think he does transition him to a Rolex later on in the book. But he was working on the principle because at the time, these watches were being issued to the Navy SEALs, as they still are. And a lot of British spec ops guys were using them too. I mean, as a a gentleman I knew from the SBS, still to this day wears a Luminox. And... It made complete sense to me because, you know, when Bond's doing his blowing up a refinery somewhere that's owned by Goldfinger, the chances are he would wear a a modern tactical watch. And I would love to see in a Bond movie that he wears a watch that's appropriate for what he's doing. Absolutely. Because I find it slightly incongruous to have him in full black tactical gear and then have this bright, shiny Omega around his wrist. Whereas the reality is, of course he would be wearing something like a Luminox or a Tracer. Uh, this black polymer, black NATO strap around his wrist. And I thought it was really great that John Gardner was brave enough to do that for this particular sequence in the book. And I would like to put it out there that if they were brave, in a sequence, Bond should be wearing a tactical watch. Now, of course, <laughs> there's, there's only one watch for that. <laughs> what, what, what would that be? I can see you cynically smiling. Of course you should be wearing a phalanx. <laughs> of course you should be wearing a phalanx. No. It would be amazing. It would be amazing if, if, <laughs> if, if, if he did. 
Um, the reality well, is that's not going to happen. But I think if they did do a Luminox or something, I think it would actually look really cool. And then, you know, he could go to his Omega later in the movie. We can't say too much, but some secret services do do actually wear a phalanx, don't they? And I think we'll just have to leave it at that. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Absolutely, but but trust me, some secret services actually do. It is it um, is a battle proven watch. We can say that it is a battle proven. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you think that sort of watch a tactical watch like the Luminox? Do you think that's what um, contemporary double O's actually wear? Do you think that is the sort of thing they're wearing now? I don't think there would be a single watch because the thing is, you mean if you are, for example, based out of an embassy or something. Say, for example, you, you'd be wearing whatever you want to wear. It'd be your own watch, mm. I guess. I don't really know. But, I mean, if you are on some particularly sensitive night operation that involves special forces and other people, they're not going to be wearing bright, shiny stainless steel Rolexes. I mean, that is a given. They will not be wearing them. It'll make you stand out somewhat in every way, won't it? Well, it will. It will. I mean, they're going to be wearing something black, polymer, blackout look, night ops look that will not show um and i just for me as i said bit of a wild card but i think in the next bond film he should have something like that for just for what one a, sequence what about a night watch yeah i mean the night hawk fantastic mm-hmm. bit of kit i love it it's in fact it's 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 well we've got lots of references to it obviously because you know we we did the interview with roger green um i think um i am a luminox and a tracer owner i have to confess sorry roger i'm not a night owner yet uh but i i think the night hawk is is an exceptional machine uh it's it's big it's bold it's it does everything that a tactical watch should do it's incredibly light i um and it's a british of course it is a british tritium so it's a very good point you make you back to your braymont argument if he wore a night hawk uh, then he would be sticking to the british um British watches. Can I put another argument in in the mix? Um, and again, I believe it's a watch that you own, Richard. Do you know which one I'm going to suggest? I own. I don't know. Um, you definitely own it. You definitely own it. You got it very recently, actually. Maybe about recent. Christmas time. This is awful, isn't it? <laughs> That's when you begins know with H. To. Oh, Helm, the Helm Vanuatu. <laughs> <laughs> This just popped into my head now, thinking, you know, sort of like, when we were talking about, yeah, when we were talking about, you know, what would actual sort of like contemporary agents wear? I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's not, it's not the same job as James Bond makes it out to be. That struck me as, as, you know, Mm. a great example of um, an indestructible watch, which Mm. has everything you would need, yet is probably subtle enough to not attract attention in a way that a big shiny Omega or Rolex would. Mm. No, I agree. I think that I've I've been hugely impressed with the helm since I've owned it. Um, again, it's another one of those a bit like your Vertex argument. I'm not entirely sure how Helm do it for the price point. Um, mm. It's it's a ISO certified watch, which there actually remarkably aren't that many out there. It's the legibility is, I mean, off the scale. It seems to be hugely robust. It's been designed to be handled with the thickest gloves on. Comes on great straps. Uh, sub five hundred pound for that level of dive watch. I would challenge you to find something as good, brand new. Absolutely. Uh, I think now, it would be again. It would be a fantastic choice. The only problem is that, from a cinematographic perspective, the Helm logo and writing is so subtle on the dial. 
<laughs> I'm not sure anyone would see it. Although saying that, saying that, I have a good friend and also one of our authors, George Redgrave, who also owns a helm. And his helm was recognized by somebody. Wow. What someone walked somebody, up to him and said, is that helm? No, no it, it was in a social event or it was a... Fo- right. No, it was a photograph. He took a photograph of his collection and sent it to someone. And somebody said, oh, when and where did you get your helm? I mean, that's how elusive they are. So that was just from a photograph. Somebody clocked it. So again, maybe on screen, it would look amazing. Absolutely. And if you're a double O, you're meant to be elusive. So an elusive watch for an elusive secret agent, I think would be a very, very good fit. Should be a script writer, mate. <laughs> I should be. I should be. Now, in, in the 1980s, Bond, of course, did sort of like flirt with various sort of like digital watches, often with sort of like devices attached to them and press a button and something explodes, that sort of thing, probably mostly by Casio. And the sad truth is that, you know, it could be that the next Bond has got some sort of like ultra connected digital smartwatch thing that, you know, turns into a car or something like that. If you're going where I think you're going, I think I'm about to have technical trouble. I think, I think, you know, uh, and, 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 (laughs) As we know, sort of like big brands, big brands do like to be associated with um, with Bond. So it wouldn't surprise me to see James Bond wearing, say, an Apple Watch because you know I can I can just sort of see this somehow. Um, has anyone ever made a Bond strap for an Apple Watch? This could be the next thing. It's uh, a good question. I don't know. Although I have a friend who's also been connected with the magazine, who's in the U.S. Coast Guard. And if you look back, somewhere in the dim and dark recesses of the magazine, he did a good feature on watches he uses in the Coast Guard for us. And um, uh, he's a great chap called Russ Smith, lives in New Hampshire. When I say Coast Guard, I mean US Coast Guard. And Russ wears a smartwatch a lot of the time because it has a hurricane warning app on it, which he needed for the Coast Guard work. But I know for a fact... It's very useful to know. I don't know if I have much use for it, but I imagine it's pretty useful for him. Hmm. Um, But I have seen a photograph. He has retrofitted a NATO strap onto that smartwatch. There we go. So the next big trend could be Bond with an Apple Watch, but with a NATO Bond strap. Ancient meets modern. I could actually Hmm. see that sort of thing happening. The only problem comes then when he's hanging over a shark-infested pool with Jane Seymour. Um, how and where is he going to get his circular saw from? Because he doesn't have a bezel anymore. I have no idea, but I'm sure there's some sort of shark app or something like that that he can tap and deal with <laughs> that way. Anti-shark app. Someone's in you know, an shark or something like that. Apologies <laughs> if anyone actually has invented shark, but uh, um, I'm sure there's one of those. Now, before we try and reach a conclusion, um, which I know we always struggle with, is there anything else we should put on the table? Or have we... Yeah, I've got one more. It's my other wild oh, go on, card. Go on, go on. Yeah, love uh, it, love the world cars. Yeah, it's a brand I've always admired, um, but again, it's slightly unattainable. And I wouldn't normally apportion them to this type of character, but they do do a model that I really love. It's Vacher and Constantine. Oh, and it is their overseas model, the Vacher and Constantine overseas. Very it's, nice. It went through a facelift in 2016, although the pre-2016 ones are just as beautiful. It is, to all intents and purposes, their tool watch, I, I would call it. Um, mm. But they do do a 42.5 millimeter chronograph, which is a really stunning 
kind of everyday go-to tool watch, if, if a Vacheron can be an everyday watch. But I could definitely see um, Henry Cavill as Bond, whoever it is, walking through some very, very high-end hotel in Monaco, the, one of the ones that you probably own, Anthony. Um, Obviously, yes. Remind me yeah. which one was that? Yeah. <laughs> that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah. Walking through, pulling up the cuff of his beautiful um, suit, and there's the Vacheron Constantine overseas there. Because I think it's now got that, comes that real... gold as well, doesn't it? It's got a gold one too. Not so yeah. keen on that. It's got a wonderful one called the Overseas Jewel Time, which I think ah. would be exceptional for Bond with his constant traveling around the world courtesy of British Airways lifestyle. I, I, I think, I always thought it was one of these watches that even if Bond didn't wear it, let, let's not forget there are the Bond villains out there. Even if Bond didn't wear it, the Uber And I villain, see the villain, villains wearing gold watches. I don't know why. I, I sort of like see Bond with his, with his NATO and I see the villains wearing chunky gold bracelets. Maybe that says that's more interesting about me. I don't know. Back to the aforementioned Die Hard 2, which I do refer to every so often, uh, the, the baddie did wear a gold Tag Heuer 2000 in that. See, so that you've got it bang me. on there. It yeah, you've doesn't got it surprise on. me. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking of Goldfinger and uh, sort yeah. of extrapolating it from there. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think maybe that's where I'm coming from. Maybe rather than the principal character, it would be you know, the nemesis, the villain, would be wearing a Vacheron Constantine overseas because that would really say, oh, that's a man with some style. I could see that in perhaps, should we say, a Bond movie uh, in hindsight rather than on Bond. Absolutely. Now imagine sort of like in the sliding scales of prices in the franchise, your your Bond watch is up there, but you can probably get a discount if you just want to supply watches to the villains, I would have thought. I would think so, yes. I would think so, but I bet actually it's just as hard as trying to get it onto Daniel Craig's wrist. (laughs) It probably is. It probably is. So there we are. We've spoken about a lot of watches. Um, I have. So it's 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 hard, isn't it? I've thought long and hard about this and vacillated, but in my head, I do have quite a clear winner. Do you Ooh. or not? I do. To be honest, yes, I do. Out of the ones we've mentioned, I do have a winner. I have one that it would probably make my day more than any of the others to see on the new bonds wrist let's see if we agree right i think you can you can cut the tension can't you after all this discussion i think there is really only one watch which is what james bond should wear in his next movie and we knew the answer all along it was staring us in the face he's got to wear the rolex he's got to wear a rolex and it's got to be the deep sea titanium Rolex that is what I think he should wear because just anything else would be nice interesting out there but just a bit wrong well much as I hate to admit it I agree with you oh wow is that a first that is that is a first we should note this one for posterity I absolutely agree I think although the other watches are nice and I think they've got their place I would love more than anything to see a Rolex back on Bond's wrist. And I think the Deep Sea Titanium would bring him bang up to date. It's a worthy successor to the 6538 Rolex that Connery wore in Dr. No and Thunderball. Uh, it would be perfect. And I would, there would be a, in the, in the cinema, there would be a big smile on my face from ear to ear if he pulled up his sleeve and there was a Rolex there again. That's fantastic. So we've agreed on the Bond watch. I think, all we need now is a bond. Um, what are you doing next year, 
Richard? Um, I think I'm a little bit busy. I've got these plans for world domination, so maybe we might find ourselves on the uh, opposing sides at this rate. I see. Um, you've got plans for world domination. I was off to just buy myself a nice little white pussycat to stroke. Um, ah, maybe we'll, maybe Mr. Bond will be after both of us then. <laughs> absolutely. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Chris, for your time. I'm off back to my underground lair in a in a volcano somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Um, Richard, you've obviously got you know. Well, I think I'll just stay in my already, bunker so here. I don't think yeah, I don't think we need any more um, accessories there. That was our thoughts on what James Bond's watch should be. Please write us in and let us know if you agree, if we've missed anything out, or if there is anything else at all that you'd like to see on James Bond's wrists. Um, We'll make sure that we pass them on to our friends in Hollywood, of whom we have none. Thank you very much indeed.